Welcome to another edition of the Cyclone Fanatic Podcast. Football and Ram things on a Monday morning in uh, in Central Iowa. We're now about six inches of snow on the ground. We're in the midst of a snow squall out here in in the capital city. Well, we're not actually in the capital city. I'm in Ankeny. Jeff Woody's in Ankeny as well. What's up, Jeff? I'm not really sure what a squall is, but I was listening to Bing Crosby all morning, and that's not a joke. I was legitimately played Winter Wonderland and just let it ride, and it so felt fine. So this is fine. your fault. This is your fault. It felt fine. No, this was the snow started. Then I listened to Winter Wonderland. I wasn't listening to Winter Wonderland, and then the snow started. That would be my fault. That would be a jinx to Mother Nature. But I didn't jinx Mother Nature. I was just profiting off of the snow that's already half a foot deep. This is weird, dude. I, no, October 19th, and we've got five inches of snow on the ground. And it was completely clear when I woke up this morning. I don't know the last time that I would have ever seen this in the month of yeah, October. I'm, I'm okay with it. I mean, obviously it's not ideal. You wouldn't be like, you know what? I want six inches of snow, but it's pretty, but I can deal with that. Yeah, and it's supposed to be like 70 on Thursday, so it'll all be gone in just a couple days. This is like a Colorado week, weather-wise, where you just get crapped on with snow, and then it melts off two days later, and it's very pleasant afterwards. If it wasn't for the wind, it would be, it would be quite pleasant. <laughs> just, uh, you know, it's not, it's not hot, it's just humid. It's not hot, it's just humid. It's not cold, it's just windy. It's that humidity, man. It's that humidity, it's the wind. It's, uh, they're always kicking our asses. But uh, uh, Iowa State's got a huge game coming up on, on Saturday. Uh, going down to Stillwater to take on the now number six Oklahoma State Cowboys at Boone T. Pickens or yeah Boone Pickens Stadium in Stillwater T. Boone Pickens Stadium at uh, in Stillwater Oklahoma. I will be there at the game uh, heading out on uh, on Friday for Oklahoma. So I'll get my first experience of uh, of lovely Stillwater. This is uh, oh you've never been to Stillwater before? I've never been to Stillwater before. It's a pretty neat little place. I mean, it's, uh, it's obviously not like, you know, you wouldn't make it a tourist destination, but it's also cool enough that uh, you, will, you will want to go back. In my I've, heard, I've heard that it's one of the closer equivalent stadiums uh, mm-hmm. right up there with Manhattan. Also, the stadium is cool. Okay. Boone Pickett Stadium is cool. The one thing that I'll say about Boone Pickett Stadium, like a lot of time, well, there's, I mean, fans are going to be sparse if at all allowed. I'm not sure what they're going to do, but they'll have um, fans there. Yeah. One of the things that the people would always say, and like our nod uh, and and a Rob and like that generation uh, said that this was one of the hardest places to play in um, because they had like paddles and they'll smack the walls with the paddles. Mm-hmm. But it was it was less loud to me than it was described to be. So like when we would play there. Um, it is a hostile environment, but it's a fun kind of hostile environment where it's not like, you know, when you go down to the, the worst place to worst two places to play are, are in Norman and in Manhattan in my mind, just because they're the crowds are the smartest in those places as far as like when to be full throat and when to be quiet. Um, so you like in Norman and Manhattan, you can't hear yourself think ever when you're on offense um, in Oklahoma in in Stillwater, you could still do that, it was, but it was still like adversarial at the same time. So, it was, I don't know, I like playing in Stillwater. The only thing that I would say that I didn't like about being in Stillwater is it's like a, the, the walls of the stadium, they're really tall and they have padding on them. Mm-hmm. And they have to have padding on them because towards the end zones, they're like 
two and a half yards outside the pylons. So like you go to, I, I think I caught a touchdown pass. It was like a, like an option, like a sort of like a, an Aaron Rodgers like shuffle thing. But I caught it, ran in the end zone, and like immediately like ran into a wall after running in the end zone, which is fine. It just catches you off guard with how close everything is, and the walls are like seven feet tall. So you have the seven foot tall. You like you're playing in a it's like a gladiators arena kind of thing. So it's a fun stadium. The locker rooms are cool. Uh, the visuals of it are cool. This huge ass jumbotron. So you'll enjoy it. Yeah, I feel like the artificial noise. The places where they use things to create noise mm-hmm. are generally not as loud as the ones where it's like we're just going to be really loud human beings. Yeah, you know. Well, and I, I think it's just the. It also could have been because like when we were playing there, um, they really hated us. So I think like they're. I they're, wonder why. Yeah, their <laughs> their anger exceeded their intelligence, or they're just mad. Like they were so mad they couldn't make as much noise as they wanted to. I think that was probably partially what it was. Yeah. I mean, it's just like, I think that that happens in Ames sometimes. A lot of times when they play Iowa or if they're playing Kansas state, uh, people like that, where it's just pure hatred. They have a hatred crowd, you know? Yeah. It's, it's, it's a few, it's, it's, it's pure fury. It is just fury in a, in a crowd. Again, I can't imagine why. Can't imagine why they would not like you guys. Weird. Specifically you. Now, uh, I'm going to go down there and just ask everybody at the game what their thoughts are on Jeff Woody. <laughs> We're not going to be able to repeat probably most of those. I'll make a video. I'll make a video podcast. where I, I stand outside the stadium. I just say, hey, how do you feel about Jeff Woody? What do you, or, uh, what do you think of Jared Barnett? Yeah. Is, uh, is it Jake Knott? Is you like Jake Knott? Man, <laughs> F off. Yeah. Um, yeah, man, I, this, this last weekend for college football kind of sucked. Uh, obviously the one big 12 game was Kansas and West Virginia. Uh, the Jayhawks, Hey, the Jayhawks hung around for a little bit. Let's, uh, let's not forget that Kansas did hold a, a lead. I think at the end of the first quarter, uh, that it did not last for very long. Uh, the other best games of the day were Clemson scoring more points than Georgia Tech's basketball team allowed in 25 of their games last season. Uh, and putting their punter in a quarterback because they didn't want to get anybody hurt. Yeah. Uh, who else? Well, the Alabama-Georgia game was good for about two and a half quarters. And the game of the night ended up being Florida State upsetting number five North Carolina in uh in Tallahassee which I didn't even realize North Carolina was number five until I turned the game on and they had a five next to their name so rough rough slate of games for the for the country here over the the last weekend but we get a we get everything back this weekend besides the Pac-12 which brings me to to my point no um the the thing that I was thinking that I was going to mention and I don't want this to sound like really coarse at all is Oklahoma State and really any of the top ranked teams outside of Clemson. I think we have we, everyone in the country can agree that Clemson is the best team yeah. right now. I don't know if any, even Alabama fans are probably like, well, <laughs> Clemson hasn't given up 700 yards of offense. So the Clemson and then everybody else. And even, yeah, you include Alabama in that mix. I'm not sold on Alabama. Their defense is still pretty suspect. The second half of Georgia was, was okay but Georgia shot themselves in the foot enough to really not help like that. Alabama didn't have to do a ton. They just did a bunch of dumb stuff. So like beyond that, 
beyond Clemson, there's not a real clear, and we haven't seen the Big 12 or Big 10 play, so we don't know what Ohio State's going to do. We don't know what Penn State's going to do. We don't know what, you know, anyone is going to do. And including Oklahoma State, like right now, I think they are ranked number six simply because they've not lost. Like when you look at their wins, their wins aren't like, oh my goodness, what a, what a, a, what a season so far. They beat Tulsa 16 to seven. They beat West Virginia 27 to 13, and they beat the brakes off of Kansas, which congratulations. So they have two relatively average wins against two relatively average teams, and then one big win against Kansas. That's not to say they're not good. It's just to say that the, the sixth ranking right now to this point has come because they just haven't lost. Yeah. Because of how up and down this season's been with everybody, the fact that they're 3-0 and makes them the sixth-ranked team in the country. So I don't know what the betting lines are. I haven't looked. Uh, but they're, they're favored by three and a half. Oklahoma uh, so State. Three-and-a-half point underdogs. Yeah, it's what yeah, opened so at. Three-and-a-half, and I bet that line gets bet. That line probably gets bet down. So if it opens at three-and-a-half, I bet it ends at two-and-a-half or three. So this game is more or less a push to me, the rankings are kind of, yeah. they're pretty arbitrary. I mean, they're always arbitrary, but even more this year where you're 3-0, and again, with two average wins and one beat the breaks off. Now, Oklahoma State might be. Like, let's say, I mean, knock on wood, this doesn't happen, but let's say that Iowa State goes out there and Oklahoma State beats Iowa State by 35. Then at that point, they deserve that top five ranking. They've earned that. It's just right now, we don't know. They could go out and let you know, knock on wood, hope this happens. And it go, it's a, a repeat of Texas Tech, I, you know, Iowa State, Texas Tech. Iowa State plays really good defense. It's four scores at one point, doesn't really ever feel close. Oklahoma State would plummet from six down to like 23. Mm-hmm. Like, I don't think they would hover around that point because they just haven't done anything. They have very little resume to warrant this ranking. Again, not to say that they aren't worth it. It's just we don't know if they are. I mean, it's the same reason that North Carolina was number five. Right. They're just like, that's there. exactly why they were that high up there. It's just because they hadn't played. Like they've just they've won the games that are on their schedule, and the teams that were ahead of ahead of them before had not. And oh no, man, it was uh, like you talked about Kansas. I, I legitimately think that no one should even be able should be allowed to include Kansas on their final win loss record this season. They're that bad. <laughs> they are. They are that bad. When Joel Klatt is on the uh, on the television broadcast saying, man, I feel bad for Puka Williams this year. He, <laughs> he is just running his heart out, and he just has nowhere to go. And, and you're like, man, they are so bad that the broadcasters are literally saying, I feel bad for this kid <laughs> because they're like, this is the only good player that they have. Uh, less, less has a long way to go, a long way to go. So yeah, Oklahoma state beat the brakes off Kansas, but that was two weeks ago. I mean, by the time Saturday rolls around, it'd be two weeks ago Yeah. until they would have played a game. The last game they played was Kansas. The last time they played a competitive game would have been almost a month. Between... Who do you think has the advantage in that scenario? I would say Iowa state. I mean, yes, they're going to be fresher, but, um, there's, there's hard, it's hard to get in a rhythm. You know, like you think about tennis, like the Tennessee Titans, um, Bills game when Tennessee just beat the hell out of the Bills. Well, and it's, Tennessee had, because of the COVID restrictions, weren't it wasn't able to practice and whatever. Uh, and they had it was like 14 days or 13 days between a 
game that one and they hadn't been able to be in the facility but they they kick the hell out of them as they were able to be fresh but they were still able to be sharp but those guys are professional athletes these guys are college kids who also have to study and also have to do zoom classes and you know i don't know what their in-person thing is like they have to do school and then they have to do football and getting in kind of a preparation mindset of like oh this is what we need to do so there's enough time there's, I mean, three weeks, almost what three full weeks between, if you include Kansas prep, uh, bye week canceled game, Iowa state, that's four calendar weeks that like you would have really not a ton of deliberate intentional practice. So there's enough time for bad habits to creep in. If bad habits are there, you know, like, Hey, I'm, I'm, I don't have to try a hundred percent or I, I'm, I'm not going to get to this spot right away. So that it's going to feel, I would imagine a little bit clunky for Oklahoma state out of the gate. Um, but at the same time, Oklahoma state, just like Texas tech is a team that thrives in chaos and they thrive in this, you know, they want to get Tylen Wallace, the ball and six yards down the field and be like, all right, dude, go be a really good football player and don't let people tackle you. See ya or Chuba, just give him the ball and see what he does. So even though it might feel clunky, that doesn't mean it's not going to be successful. It just won't be that sharp right away. And they can still have the potential to make plays. So I don't know. I'm going to guess that you're only going to be like a drive or two where it's a little bit chunkier if you're Oklahoma State. But at the same time, they can make even a chunky play work because of how explosive they are. Yeah, and I mean, I, I, I think that these teams are probably – I mean, they're pretty evenly matched. Obviously, they played a pretty evenly matched game a year ago uh, that, if we're being honest, Iowa State probably wins if Brock plays anywhere near mm-hmm. what he usually does. Mm-hmm. Uh, I fully expect them not to throw the ball 70 times like yeah. they did last season. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, I mean, just when I've watched Oklahoma State, and again, like the sample size is so small, there's just – there's nothing that – about that team that really terrifies me. Like, you know, Chuba Hubbard is good, but the Iowa State's run defense has, you know, been good enough this season that I'm not super scared about that. You know, Tylen Wallace is really good, but you got a true freshman quarterback back there. Like, this is going to be by far the best defense and offense combined that Oklahoma State has seen so far this season. And it's hard for me to not sit there and look at what those three teams that are undefeated in the Big 12 have done so far. I mean – if I was going to put like a power ranking together, I probably put Iowa state one, Kansas state two and Oklahoma state three based purely on the fact that we've seen Kansas state play some quality teams. And we really haven't seen Oklahoma state play a quality team in big 12 play yet. Yeah. And, and they are going to, I don't know if they trailed at any point, probably in the West Virginia game, like, they were down in the, that Tulsa game seven to zero, I think. Okay. So they haven't really trailed. They haven't really had to respond uh, when things weren't going their way. And a lot of times that, that will come from leadership and experience of saying like, all right, um, you know, you got Spencer Sanders back there who's not able to play. So you have Spencer Sanders back there that goes, hey, this is what we're going to do. We are going to fix this, this, and this. We've seen what Iowa State's defenses do mentally to young quarterbacks, right? Against mm-hmm. TCU, against Oklahoma, against Texas Tech. Well, Texas Tech, they had a more experienced quarterback, but still you, you have, you see what Iowa State's defense does to young, to, to inexperienced quarterbacks, and he's going to have to respond to that. Again, it's not to say they won't. It's not to say they can't. It's just to say they haven't yet. So 
it's it will be an interesting experience that Oklahoma State is going to be tested much stronger than they have been in the past because of who they're playing and how Iowa State does tend to play their games. Um, so yeah, I'm, I'm I think this is a, a really interesting matchup from if you're just a casual fan because of one contrasting styles and two who the hell is Oklahoma State? Like, just to see, what, what are they going to do? What are they going to produce? Yeah. And I, I mean, what do you think preparation on their end would have looked like? Because obviously you were preparing for one game uh, during their first bye week, and then, you know, you come to find out, I think on this, it would have been a week ago yesterday, week ago Sunday, that that game was going to be canceled. Do you think they immediately just pivot and they're like, all right, now we're going to go to Iowa State? Or like, I mean, you had two full bye weeks, you know? Like, what, what do you think that they've been doing for the last two weeks in, in their work? I bet they, I bet their first couple of days were kind of just doing the we're going to practice us kind of thing where they're just doing, hey, against a, a generic three-down look, against a generic four-down look, this is how we're going to run our inside zone or this is how we're going to run our outside zone or, hey, you know, we're, we're going to look at if, if they're going to be in cover two, if you see this, we're going to practice these pass routes against this person. And, and that, hey, you know, Illingsworth, we want you to look over on this side on this route. And then probably by the end of that week, they started switching into Iowa State because nothing that Iowa State does is really conventional. Um, they do play a base defense, but their base defense isn't the same base defense that you're going to see. So maybe some other generic stuff was a kind of a, a rush three drop eight, because you'll probably see that with Baylor. You'll see it with Oklahoma. You'll see it with uh, Iowa state. You'll see it a bit with Texas, with Texas tech. You'll see that rush three drop eight, um, the Haycock defense, but you also probably when you look at Iowa state, you're going to have to look at different personnel. You're going to have to look at where they are, what their tendencies and stuff. Because when you're watching film, if you're specifically preparing for an opponent, you prepare into their tendencies and you prepare into what you, uh, what you, what you would expect to see from them and who you expect to see in those positions. So like if you see number 20, like Anthony Johnson and Tavon Kyle both play corner, but they play corner very different ways. So Anthony Johnson is, is much more physical. Tavon Kyle is much more of a speed guy. So if Tavon Kyle gives you an outside, if he lines up inside versus lining up outside, maybe he's more comfortable because he wants to turn and run a lot more than Anthony Johnson wants to play up. So if you see Anthony Johnson play as an inside shade or an inside leverage, maybe there's a chance that he's coming to be a run fit and he's going to stay down in his zone. Whereas that same indicator is not the same when you look at number 13. So when you're looking at teams, you're looking at general scheme. Yes. When you watch film and like specifically prepare, but you also know like, Hey, if number 23 is on this side of the tight end, you got to look for him to fit hard or something like that. Like you have to see number and location. So um, I bet that they would, they, they didn't necessarily switch right away. I'm going to guess, but they probably switched after one or two us work on us practices because Iowa state is so unique with their personnel and how many dudes they, they end up playing. What do you think Iowa state's emphasis was during the bye week I mean, I think that the thing about Iowa State, like really since their first bye week, obviously there are things that need to be cleaned up and stuff like that, but there hasn't been anything that's like so egregious. That it's like, we really got to hammer in on this. It's a lot of cleaning up details and stuff like that. Mm -hmm. I would say it's a continuation on defense is a continuation of work on details where um, the thing that, and you mentioned earlier that, you look at Chuba and he's, you know, he's really good. And Tylen Wallace is really good. Um, 
And the, the thing that Iowa State didn't do last year and why Tylen Wallace had such a big game is they had a lot of one-on-one -on -one tackling opportunities. And Tylen Wallace does not get tackled very easily in one-on-one -on -one tackling opportunities because he's really good. Chuba is the same way. But what's different about years past or defenses with Iowa State and this one, you're very rarely seeing one guy around the ball to make a tackle. Now, granted, if it's down the field and it's just a, it's a, a bang eight and it's just one wide receiver in space, then there's a corner and safety and there's not a ton of people. But if it's anywhere inside of like eight to 10 yards, there's like seven Iowa State players around the ball to make the tackle most of the time. So the thing that Iowa State, I bet on defense drilled was you get as many hats to the ball as you possibly can because Hubbard is going to make one miss. And if there's not anyone else there, then that fast dude is going to get to full speed and nobody's running him down. It's a touchdown or it's a huge gain or Tylen Wallace. If he catches a drag route, everybody has to get to the ball. You have to play contain. You have to, you know, treat it like a punt return. You're not necessarily trying to be the one guy that makes a tackle. Everybody has to make the tackle. So defensively, their preparation has probably been a cons uh, consistently just looking to reiterate good tackling and fit habits. Offensively, the two things that, I, that after watching Texas Tech, the two things that they still work on are anyone other than Xavier Hutchinson getting open in like finding where zones are because in man, if they're in man coverage, eight is really good at getting open against man coverage. Now he's getting, well, I shouldn't say really good. He's getting significantly better at using his athleticism to give Brock an opening to throw to against man coverage. 88 and 89 and 11 are all really good against man because they're never going to draw a corner. They're going to be playing against a safety or a linebacker. So those three are always good against man coverage. But when you start getting into zone coverage, wide receivers are having trouble or they're not quite as good as they could be in finding openings for Brock to deliver the ball into against zone coverages and stuff. And that's just a feel thing. That's of the timing and understanding is Hey, if they do, if they're in zone in this route, you have to sit between the corner and the linebacker. Cause if you keep running, you're going to run yourself covered. So you got to sit down on this route and I want you to sit here. And so then Brock can put that, put that on him. So it's kind of the understanding where zone coverage is. Now, Oklahoma state is going to challenge you a lot more. They tend to, I, I, again, I haven't watched them this year, but they tend to challenge you a lot more. They're a team like I talked about with, with Texas tech last week, which is again, comfortable chaos. I'll say that again but they, they want to create chaos. They're not waiting for chaos to happen. They're going to bring pressure or they're going to, they're going to take their safeties and try and jump routes or their corners are going to try and undercut. They'll trust the safeties to stay over top on any type of route. So the corners can run underneath it and potentially get a pick, or they're going to have the safeties play down and the corners can rotate up to carry a longer route. So the safeties would have a chance to jump it so they can get a, uh, an interception or something like that. So their defense tends to challenge you a lot in how they're going to do what they're going to do. And they'll still bring zone blitzes and, and stuff like that, but they'll man pressure and man blitzes. Um, but anyway, so secondary from wide receiver standpoint, it's getting yourself in zones and when there's odd coverage where you need to be. And then offensively, because Joey Ramos had to go out and they had, uh, um, Remsburg yeah. come in and then you have a kind of a hodgepodge of throughout the, throughout the season, you've had a hodgepodge of different offensive lines with really the only constants being Foster, um, Schweiger and Colin Newell. Everybody else has been kind of in and out. And so, um, and 55 has since, since week two or game two has been consistent, but either way you have a lot of those guys in and out. 
and uh, they Remsburg got better as the game went along, but a lot of the the kind of novel pressure looks that there that someone was giving confused him. So, what offensively bring this all the way back to the question? Offensively, what they're working on, wide receivers wise, it's probably in recognizing coverages and kind of sitting where Brock wants them. And then defensively, it's recognizing fronts and where you have to go and what they're going to be doing in these specific fronts. So it's kind of in in ID, like identification of what they're doing so you know what to do. Those are the things that I think Iowa State still probably has to work on because fundamentally, once you know, because Remsburg is a super talented dude and he's really good at just moving human beings, but he's got to know where to go first. Once he knows where to go, then he's able to move a human being, but it's not getting confused and taking a bad step or taking a bad angle or whatever to get to where he needs to go. For sure. Yeah, I mean, I'm, I'm looking at the box score from this game last season, and I mean, it was a – man, I just don't remember it being this close of a game. Uh, obviously, Iowa State – I mean, they came back to tie it at 27, and then there was the pick six that ended up being the game-winning score. But the On other thing 68th that – 68th pass attempt, 67th pass attempt? Uh, he, I thought he threw 62. Yeah, 62. Oh, yeah. Uh, but I mean, it was the first touchdown was the, a 71 yarder to Tylen Wallace, which Where he the, three tackles. The, I would say the other thing to remember about this game is this is the one when Greg Eisworth's injury really, you know, reared its head the most, I think, where mm-hmm. it was like you, we first really got an understanding of like, damn, like Greg Eisworth's like really hurt, <laughs> you know? Mm-hmm. And uh, I think he played in that Oklahoma game the next week, but he didn't play a ton. And then he didn't play against Texas, I think two weeks later, but it was just like one of those games where you really needed a healthy Greg Eisworth and they didn't have him. Uh, and they got another one, another long touchdown pass on a very similar type of play. I think it was the, literally the exact same play, just the other side uh, where they ran like a, hitch or a you know like a straight speed out yeah speed out or something like that uh and then there was the 65 yard run by chuba hubbard that was on a fourth down on a fourth and Mm -hmm. short that they were able to get and take it for a touchdown they didn't score another touchdown in the game uh oklahoma state didn't they kicked two more field goals in the second half and then they got the pick six so like i oklahoma state's offense is talented as it is it doesn't really terrify me you know, and uh, I mean, they were able to hold Chuba Hubbard to 51 yards rushing outside of the one play where he went to 65 yards. Well, and that's, and that's the thing though, is that you, you have to, you got to take your, you know, take your medicine at the same time. We're like, when I say comfortable chaos, it's that, that you can do everything right for 98% of the plays, but then one, you don't. And all of a sudden, they're that explosive that it's gone. And you, you can't be comfortable with, hey, we've played pretty well so far, or let's tidy it up after this. You can't really do that because they can score so fast because of their playmakers. So although it doesn't scare me in the sense that, like, man, they're going to be running up and down the field, it does give you a thing of, like, you know what? They might get one. Like, they might get one or two or three or five in a, in a game just make those one or two or three or five something that 
Eisworth or once Aishim Young serves his first half suspension, suspension from the targeting, you know, Aishim Young or Eisworth or whoever, Lawrence White is back enough that they can just push him out of bounds and it's a 57-yard gain by Tylen Wallace. And then they have to go the, other, the remaining 23 yards on that drive, earning it. They don't get to score a touchdown from 65 yards out. Like, can you make your mistakes not fatal mistakes? Can you make your mistakes just bad ones? Because Oklahoma State is going to get them. They're that good. It's just like Oklahoma. Like, I, Oklahoma scored 30, and Iowa State's defense generally played, played pretty well, right? Like, they're just going to get theirs different than Oklahoma in that they're less consistent in down the field. Oklahoma is going to be 7 yards, 7 yards, 10 yards, 10 yards, where Oklahoma State is 0-0. 15, negative one, five, 20. Like the, that's their, their play sequence where they're not as consistent, but they're super explosive. So yeah, it's not scary in the consistency standpoint where they are scary is you could be, you could have them right where you want them in third and 14 and they could take a third and 14 for 51 yards. So yes, they are, Iowa State has the capacity to stop them, but it's going to take every single player to rally around and make tackles and not allow their explosiveness to become fatal explosiveness. The other kid isn't quite the runner that Spencer Sanders is, is he? I don't think so. He has negative 10 yards rushing on the season. Yeah, I, I was going to say, he's, he's not near as mobile as what Spencer Sanders was from when I, the time that I watched him. Uh, I think I really watched him close in that uh, Tulsa game which was his first game, obviously. But I haven't watched him against Kansas or West Virginia. I'll probably do that later this week. Is there anything else that you want to touch on before we go? Well, I think the, the only thing that I would say is I'm excited for this in the sense that it is a ranked versus ranked. Is it Gus Johnson and Clatt? Like it's the... No, they're going to Columbus. Hmm, okay. But either way, you have a 230, your 230 kick, ranked versus ranked. It is, it's going to be a good game. And Iowa State has the capacity to just be a boring executing team. You know, it's not going to be the, the if Iowa State wins, it's probably not going to feel like they stole the game. If Iowa State wins, it's going to feel like they were, you know what? This was a more physical team. This is a more consistent team. This is a more disciplined team. And that's what Iowa State's kind of built is a team based on running the ball with a guy like Brees Hall or Kane with a quarterback that makes good, solid decisions, doesn't have to try and do too much, gets his ball to big receivers that are just positioning themselves in the right spot, and a defense that just tackles like crazy with a bunch of dudes, and they can get pressure on the quarterback. So I'm, I'm excited for it just because if, I, if it goes well, from this point forward, we've seen now enough of Iowa State that the good games are boring as hell to watch mm-hmm. because you don't get the ball if you're the other team. You just don't see it because Iowa State's going to take 37 minutes on the play clock and run the ball down your throat. And if they do it well, that's exactly what it would take to beat a team like Oklahoma State. For sure. Are there any other games you're going to watch this weekend? I'm excited to see Big Ten football, see what they look like, because because it's October. I wonder if they'll be any good or if it'll be a – I'm going to guess that they're going to be sloppy like other teams starting the year. Like Iowa State is going to be on on game number five – Oklahoma or Oklahoma state is going to be in game number four or Ohio state is going to be on game number one. So what did each team look like in week number one? That's where they're starting. So I'm, I, I'm, I guessing it's going to be sloppier than what we're used to seeing. So it's going to be kind of interesting to watch these big 12 game or big 10 games after watching 
teams that have actually played before what the difference is between like quarterbacks missing zone reads or linemen missing blocks or people missing tackles or whatever and just not everything's going to be kind of clunky it's interesting to see now because they are starting at different times so what you're saying is that uh nebraska could have a chance against the rusty ohio state buckeyes no nope i'm 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 not not even gonna give that like a little bit of hope because when you're rusty lean on talent I didn't want to hear that. Thank you for making me feel better. Uh, yeah, they're uh, Ohio State's 25 and a half point favorites. In that well, I might take Nebraska in that line. Maybe. <laughs> Maybe. <laughs> it's a, I was alive for the game when uh, I think Ohio State scored the first 56 points a couple of years ago. So mm-hmm. I, I don't know that I would uh, – I don't know that I would take that one. I would probably just not touch that. Yeah, no. I'm looking to see if there's any other. Oh, my goodness. How big of a favorite do you think Clemson is against Syracuse on Saturday? Based on your reaction, I'm going to go 44 and a half. 45. 45 point favorites in an ACC game. Kansas State's a 17 and a half point favorite over Kansas, which seems low, honestly. Uh, It's just boring. Yeah, that's going to be a horrible football game. Except Deuce Vaughn can score, but Kansas State is just – Kansas State plays like Iowa State where it's right. – if they do it well, it's slow. Yeah, I'm just looking at the other games just really quick. Oklahoma going on the road to TCU, seven and – Sooners are seven-point favorites. Uh, Texas, ten-point favorites over Baylor. West Virginia, three-point favorites over Texas Tech. Man, just not a very good slate in the Big 12 this week. Other than this one. Other than this one. Yeah, this is the one that should have been the ABC primetime game, in my opinion. But what can you do? All right, man. I don't think we got much else left to cover. Bye week. By the way, I meant to say this at the beginning. Happy birthday, Jeff Woody. Thank you. Thank you. 30 today. Big 3-0. You're old as hell now. Yep, officially. And uh, Mother Nature blessed my birthday with half a foot of snow. And the NFL blessed my birthday with a 4 p.m. Monday night game. And I'm okay with that. Is there not two games today? Or is there yeah, only the there's, one? There's uh, Bills Chiefs at four, and then Cardinals in Dallas for the actual like traditional true Monday night game. Okay. Cliff Kingsbury, going back to where it all started. Oh, yeah. Back in Jerry World. Back in Jerry World. All right, man. I'll talk to you. Ne- or, wait, what day will I talk to you? I'll talk to you this weekend before the, yeah. uh, before the kickoff or tailgate show. So, all right. Thanks, man. Talk to you guys soon. Thanks, everybody, for listening.